5, if you will, this morning, Romans chapter 5. We're going to go back into verse number 5, and uh, we'll start reading at verse number 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand, and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Now, we've been going down through and talking here about, first, those benefits that we have because of our justification, the peace with God, the access by faith into this grace wherein we stand, and the rejoicing in the hope of the glory of God. And then we moved the natural flow then in, in a progression of understanding is then to move into this issue about tribulations. And not only so, but we glory in tribulation also knowing. And that's the key. We, we've, we're, this is lesson 49 on our count, and it's a lesson that we are... Uh, somebody, I got an email, boy, really enjoying Romans, and you're going really slow. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I'm trying to because... This information, especially here in chapter 5, is high ground. And again, Paul is just developing up the outline of, of information when we get into chapter 6, 7, and 8 that he's going to fill in the blanks, if you will, for us. And he, we've been talking here about tribulation and the issue of knowing. We know that it's going to work for us. And when you know something, then you can adjust your thinking and uh, then you can begin to know that it's going to work. Patience, that issue of the comforting ministry of the Holy Spirit through the Word of God. Then it's going to work experience. That's the issue of the life of Christ being developed in your life. And then that issue here about the issue of hope. And uh, that is that, 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 future, that future event, expectation that we have of eternity that we focus in on. So we access the provisions of God's grace here. Now in verse number five, we started it last week. We're going to wrap it up hopefully here this morning. And hope maketh not ashamed. And, and I spent time with that issue about being not ashamed because being ashamed shuts you up. It shuts you down. It comes over and, 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 and covers your mouth and just it engulfs your thinking. And it, what it happens then is it begins to frustrate you. And it, when it begins to frustrate you, then you get discouraged. And then the discouragement comes in and causes you to, to quit. And Paul says, no, don't quit. Over to the Corinthians, he says, we faint not. We don't faint. We don't give up. Rather, we're going to adjust our thinking here. When tribulations hit and they come, because they do come, the life's just that way, you know, I was just saying and mentioning a minute ago, I got two, three, four phone calls yesterday of, of folks that are normally here being sick. They got a flu bug or something. Uh, it, I don't believe it's COVID. They didn't say COVID, but because several of them were all stomach related. <laughs> Unless COVID's moved into the stomach, I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> by the time that everybody gets through with it, anything, if you break your toenail, it's COVID. You know, it's just the way it's going to be so that they can label it. But the thing of it is, is 
tribulation comes, and you know, all of us get sick eventually. And by the way, guess what? We're all going to die. Isn't that wonderful news? That's so great to understand that, you know, we're all, it's appointed unto man once to die. We're all going to die, you know. Now, I wouldn't want to go through and have a long, drawn-out death, you know, a quick one. What did you say? Two, uh, two, two to the head, bam, bam, <laughs> be done. But uh, the thing of it is, is tribulation does come. And when we have a perspective, a godly perspective, then we don't fall back to our old default positions. Um, you know how that happens. You'll upgrade your computer and something won't work, so you push it back to the old settings. You know, you run it backwards. We don't want to run backwards. We want to be moving forward. We don't want to default back to our old, old man fleshly viewpoint on the issues of tribulation. Rather, we want to move forward. We want to grow. And that's why I've said verse 5 moves us into high ground. And when we live as who we are in Christ, the world looks at you and it's going to hate you. It's going to look at you like you're a fool. It's going to bring in some the negative negativity that you know. By the way, when when you find out that somebody doesn't like you, usually what's what goes through your mind? All the things of okay, why don't they? What did I do wrong? But all this stuff, this bombardment in our thinking of negativity. But we're to have that view of the tribulations as God would, and we are to look at it that it's going to do what tribulation worketh. It's designed to work in us. That's when we glory in it. We find value and worth in it. And that, and when it begins to work in us, then it produces in us this reliance on His grace and on our identity in Christ. So we're not to be ashamed. Why? V- verse 5. Because Growing up, it's, all right, Dad, why? Because I said so, (laughs) you know. Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Now, we're going to think on the rest of this verse this morning, because when it says here that the love of God shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us, this is such... A tremendous verse, okay? When he, when he says that the, the love of God, I don't know if you've ever thought about the love of God. We have a song about the love of God and the pen and fills the oceans and all this stuff and, and so forth. But when you think about what, what Paul is saying here, we're not to be ashamed. We're not to cave. We're to have this divine viewpoint about tribulation. Why? Because we have a resource, and it's God's love. Can you imagine, you know, when you read the Word of God, it's like you're talking to God standing face to face with you, right? Okay? But can you imagine that God would look at you and say, I love you? That's what he's saying. He says, I adore you. Come over to 2 Corinthians 11. He says, I value you. I, I don't know if you ever thought about, you know, we, we talk about, well, 
God committed his love toward us and not while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. But in Romans 5, there's that thing called much more. There's much more to the love of God than just saving your sorry rascal rear end from going to hell. There's much more to it than that, see? So look at, I told you, 2 Corinthians 11, right? I got to get there. 2 Corinthians 11, notice verse number 1. Would to God you could fear, uh, bear with me a little in my folly, and indeed bear with me. Paul's going to be a little sarcastic here with some guys that are, that are at Corinth that are causing trouble out of verse 10. But watch verse 2. For I am jealous over you with godly jealousy. For I have espoused you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. And, and everybody uses this verse to go to Bride of Christ nonsense. But that is not what Paul's talking about at all there. He's talking about, think about a husband and wife relationship. You know, you got your spouse. I love you. I adore you. You're worthy. You're worth something to me. I love you so deeply. I, I just, I want to, you know, be with you. That's what he's talking about here. I espoused you guys to a relationship that's so intimate with God, with Christ. So when you come back to Romans 5, see, 2 Corinthians 11 is built off of understanding Romans 5, 5. Because the love of God was shed abroad in, in our hearts. I, it's like God says, I love you so deeply, I, I want that to touch you. That's why he says he's shed abroad in our hearts. He's not talking about emotions. He's not talking about that. He's talking about your heart, your minds and your heart. When we were doing, we did that study on the real you, and we broke out mankind, humanity. The heart is the command center of your thinking, of your soul. The mind sits there as a, as a center point of your spirit, that inner man combo, spirit and soul. And your heart, out of, the man, out of the heart, man believes under righteousness. It come, that's your thinking. He's not talking about out of a, an emotional thing. Now, emotions do come into it after the fact. Your emotions are dumb. They're stupid. They're ignorant. Their design is to e motion. Your will, they're designed to be under the guidance of your heart, of your will. Your will then directs your emotions, and your emotions go over and interact with your body to go do what needs to be done, to cry, to be happy, to go work and to do things. See, that comes from a thinking center. Now, what usually happens to us, trouble comes, what begins to take over? The emotion and the mind sitting here going, whoa, wait a minute. The heart saying, well, hang on a minute. We've got to catch up here. <laughs> Let's change the way. And, and the emotions have already gone off and caused your body and your reaction to stomp off and to pitch your little, you know, fits that you do. And your, your heart and your mind sitting over going, wait a minute, that's not what we're supposed to be doing. Knock it off. Stop. You follow that? The love of God is shed abroad. Go back, back to Romans 5. So, God opens up here to you, and he says, hey, I'm going to give you something here that is a piece of me that far exceeds the justification, your salvation from hell. It's much more. And we're going to put it into your 
command center of your thinking, your heart. This is not about your circumstances. It's not about the details of your life. Rather, this has to do with our need to understand how much God values you. Over there in Ephesians 5, when he talks to the husbands, and he says the husbands, you're to love your wives as Christ loved the church. And then he talks about take, taking care of your own body so you take care of her because she's what? Of you, bone of your bone, flesh of your flesh. That's what, Hey, there's a thing. There, we need to recognize the tremendous worth and value that God personally has for each of us. Because that will then result, and the ultimate result of this, is service, serving him. The love of God is designed to produce in your life the attitude of, I'm going to step out here, and I'm going to live for his benefit. I'm going to live for the benefit of others. And I'm going to come over here, and I'm going to begin to work in that area of service. This is why when everybody runs to Romans 12, I usually ask them, how are you doing in Romans 5? How are you doing in Romans 6, 7, and 8? Don't ever go to 12, you know, which is your reasonable service, being transformed. Don't go there. Let's get 5, 6, 7, and 8 down. Because why? They come first. You want to know what your reasonable service is? You need to get this stuff down. <laughs> At least get a... a, a semi-level of understanding of it, you know. I don't know about you. You read, you read through Paul's epistles once, and you read it, and you go, hey, I never saw that before. Then you read through it again, oh, wow, I never saw that before. Where'd that? But it's been on the page the whole time. It's just what's going on. So Paul here, he's, gonna, he's setting forth really the hallmark of godly love, spiritual maturity, that has everything to do with the proper understanding of who you are and the way that God views you. I think too often, you know what he says in Ephesians 1, we're accepted in the who? Beloved. The beloved one. Man, when you think about, that's how God views you. Then we should be viewing ourselves the same way. And rather we don't. Our, our knee jerk, our old default position is... Not that. <laughs> and he says, no, it needs to be this. Verse 5. Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. That, one, that, that word there, shed. By the way, when you view yourself the way God views you, that produces a willingness to go and do whatever it takes to serve other people and to do for others. And the love of God is shed. That, that word shed, it's an interesting word. Your new Bibles change that word shed to poured or pour. The love of God is poured out. It's poured. Now, let me ask you something. Is shed and poured different? The answer is yes. I was going to have a cup and a water and a demonstration and all the, you know, science class, you know, get the beaker going, when you pour something, that's what the new Bibles move it to. Even your new King James, by the way, moves it from shed to pour. When you pour something, that is an act of convenience. 
I have a jug of water and I want to give you some. What do I do? I take the jug. What's in the jug? Water. I take a cup and I pour it into the cup and I give you. See, poured has nothing to do with the jug. It has to do with what is in the jug. Now, if it's sweet tea, you might not get any. But, it, okay, so it's an act of convenience. I want to share what I have with you. It's not a part of the item. It's not a part of the jug. Now, shed is completely the opposite. Shed is an act that hurts. Poured is an act of convenience. Shed is an act of something that's going to hurt. It's a part of the person. So if I got a jug and I'm going to shed the jug, what am I going to do? I'm going to go peeling off on that jug. Think, think about the tree, a tree. The leaves fall on the tree. You know, the, it's fall, even though it's going to be like 90 today. <laughs> okay? You go up and the, and the leaves change colors. And we say what? The tree is shedding its leaves. The leaf is a part of the tree. And yet what does it do? It's falling. We don't say the tree poured off its leaves. So do you, do you shed a tear or do you pour a tear? But the tear is a piece of you. It's coming out of you. That's the, that, that's the point. It, it's a part of you. When Christ was on the cross, did he pour out his blood or did he shed his blood? He shed his blood. It was him. It was a piece of him. So when he talks here about God's love is shed, it's a part of him. It's a part of who he is. 1 John 4 over there, he says that God is love. It's who he is. He, he didn't just say, here, let me pour in the Holy Spirit in you. Let me pour in the, my love for you. His love's the container. He went over there and he goes, I'm going to give you a piece of me. I'm going to deposit into the deep recesses of your inner man a part of me. His love. And he wants you to understand. This is that much more thing that sits here in five. This is, again, just more than your salvation. He took his love and put it on display at Calvary, yes. But much more, what did he come in? He came in and gave us a piece of him. He deposited it into you. That intense love that he has for you, his adoration for you. Not just, eh, yeah, I love you, you know. But, uh, man, I, I loved you so intensely that, yes, I sent my son to die for you, but I'm also giving you my life. See, that's a completely different thing here than, ah, the Lord, love of God shed abroad in your heart, look, you know. No, it's something more intense. Because in the tribulation, we're to have a, we have a resource. That intense love that he shed, that he gave. And that's what begins to sustain us. And that's what comes along and begins to move things and to work things and to do things. Because he says... 
I shed my love. I gave it to you, a piece of me. I hope you see that. It's so much bigger than, than pouring. He didn't pour himself. He, he says, here, let me cut a piece off of me. <laughs> I tried that with my finger. I got a nice little, little scar moving there. It's funny how the body is wonderfully and fearfully made, and you put it back together, and, well, it's coming there. <laughs> but, you know, you just, you know. He's like, I give you something here. I give you some intensity. And again, it's something that in that tribulation, we have to recognize that, yes, it's going to work for patience, experience, and hope, but we have this resource, not only of, the, of that riches of his grace, but also the riches of his love. You see, he gave us his righteousness. That's justification. Here he's giving us his love. He says, you got that too. You got the whole ball of wax, man. You get it all because you're a dear child of God now. When you think about the love of God being shed abroad in your hearts, the love of, there, there's a couple things that the love of God will come and do in your life then as you begin to think about it. It'll, be, it'll come in and it'll, it'll flush out, it'll move away the old way of thinking. It'll come in and it will, it'll displace the, the negativity It'll come in and it will it'll sanctify every part of you. It, it comes in and it, 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 that word abroad, what a beautiful word, isn't it? Abroad. It, that I, the idea of abroad is the idea of it hits every corner. Come over to Ephesians 3. Just, just notice this. I... It's fascinating to me when you begin to notice every word in every verse that they begin to get linked into one another for us believers. Look at Ephesians 3. You start there in verse 16, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Isn't that wonderful? He's dwelling in your hearts by faith. Dwelling at home. Feels at home. If I come and visit your house, I'll have a little more decorum about certain things than I do when I go home. Okay? In other words, I won't take off my socks and shoes and get down into my shorts. <laughs> you know, go put on the comfortable clothes, you know. A little he's, he's what? He's at home. When you're at home, do you not know where every little thing is? I was visiting with... Uh, Bob and Ann, and I needed to use the restroom. And I said, I need to use the, where's your restroom at? And they go, oh, down the hall on the left. Well, I went down the hall. Actually, it's straight, okay? But you go down the hall, and there's three doors on the left. So what are you doing? You're opening each one, aren't you? Why? Because you don't know it's the middle door, do you? You come to my home, it's down around. You go down there, make a left, it's right there. It's the only door on the left. <laughs> but see, why? Because it's not my home. But in my home, what do I know? I know where every little nook and cranny is. When Christ dwells in your heart, guess what he knows? Every little nook and cranny. He's at home there. That ye being rooted and grounded in what? 
In love, verse 17, in lo grounded in love. Whose love? Can't be your love because your love wanes. It's up one day, down the next, it's over here, it's over here, you know. Alabama football right now, Whew. you know. Too bad Clemson didn't win, or uh, didn't lose, sorry. That was close. But see, the thing is, so you get, all, you get a little of this. Verse 18, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the notice, the breadth, and the length, and the depth, and the height, and to know the love of Christ. You see that breadth, the length, the depth, and the height? That's everything. See, the love of God is shed abroad. It's hitting every nook and cranny in your life. There's no hiding place from God's love. Verse 19, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Isn't that, boy, yeah, I read that and I go, wow. You know what he gave me? He gave me chapter 1, the all spiritual blessings. He made me complete. He didn't hold all the fullness of God. So then why wouldn't he give me all of his love? The attribute of him. He, I got it all. He just said I got it all. Might be filled with all the fullness of God. That ye might be filled. Look, he gave it to you. What do we have to do? Access it. We've got the resources. What are you going to do? You've got to go over there and do what? Access it. Get in there. Study out what you've got. It's going to work effectually in you that believe. You've got to get that thing moving, you know. I was listening to the radio coming in this morning, and I don't know. It, I don't know how it got over on this station, but I punch buttons and something, stuff happens, you know. <laughs> but uh, they were talking about Social Security and all this stuff coming to an end in 2024 and blah, 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 blah. But you know what the thing of it is, is there's an access to that, isn't there? There are people who pay into that, who when the time comes, what do they got to have to do? They got to access it to get the bennies back. If you don't access it, they're not going to do it. Linda's retiring first of the year. And they're like, okay, look, three months out, you got to go into Social Security and get the ball rolling. What's going to happen if she doesn't do it in November? She won't get it when she retires. Now, if she starts in December, it'll be another month delayed, right? So it's access. You've got the benefit. You just have to do what? Go get it. That's why when you come back to chapter 5, he says what? We have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. We have it. We just got to go over there and get in it. The love of God shed abroad. First of all, it's designed to saturate you. It's designed to come in and to flush out the, the, the negative thinking. It's, it's, there's no hiding place from God's love. It'll fill up every nook and cranny, every dark spot. Uh, I, our little fishing boat, we went out on the lake a couple weeks ago, and uh, we're sitting there, and I'm like, Ricky, you got water up there? He's like, no, I got water back here, you know. And it's like, wait a second, what ever seen how water finds the most little pinhole? Yeah. And then it goes and does a lot of damage, and it's water. You don't think about it. 
So we're floating down there, and, and I'm bailing out the back. I brought a, one of the things you're supposed to have in your little boat is a baler. And it was a, my, my, you know, Circle K cup, you know. Whoosh, whoosh. And we get back, and we go, we tie off, we're getting out. And he's like, Dad, that's a lot of water. I go, that ain't nothing. You should have seen what I've been <laughs> pushing out, you know. And you got to get out. Now you got to go in. And, you know, so I go up to the store, and the guy goes, all right, this is what you do. Fill everything you think, and then fill the boat full of water and see where it drains out. So I found the little pinhole, I think, <laughs> you know. And it's not much. It's just a little bit. But what does it do? It fills in, doesn't it? Yeah, I do. I do now. I don't know if it'll work. We're going to find out this week. But see, the thing is, is that's what the love of God does. It comes in and it fills up. There's nothing that his love can't touch or affect or impact, and that's what's wonderful about Romans 5. He's not giving us any of the details. He's just saying you got it. We're going to get the details in chapter 8. We'll see it here in just a minute. You see, he's, he's going to give us the details. Come, come over to Ephesians 5. Folks, now, in Ephesians 5, we're way beyond Romans 5, aren't we? But notice what he does in Ephesians 5. You, you see, the, the issue here in Romans 5.5 5 is a fundamental basic issue that is to, designed to be built into your thinking, get you thinking about it. The moment you said, I do, to Calvary, and I trust Calvary, and I believe that he's my Savior, the Lord and God and the Holy Spirit deposited all this into your inner man. He gave it to you. It's nothing about you. That's why that, that thing we started in, when we started Romans 5, we have. It's a present possession. It is not we get. It's we have. It was given to us up front without, before we ever went to live a godly and righteous life. I don't know if you remember your, the day after you got saved. You still went and did the things that you normally did. You did. Because you didn't know any better. But you know what happened the night before when you got saved? He gave you all of this. You just, and then he gave you a book to tell you he gave it to you. You follow that? So what do we have to do? Well, we got to go through Romans 1 to 4, 1 to 5, get in here and start figuring out. That's why Paul starts, you, you're justified Here's some benefits you have, and oh, by the way, you got a big one, and you just got to go get it. Ephesians 5, look at verse 1. Be therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love. Usually what happens when people read that part of that verse is they go, oh, huggy, huggy, you know, kissy, huggy, huggy. It's not, because notice how Paul tells you what it is to walk in love. As... Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. You see, how when he says walk in love, notice what he does. As Christ, go look at what Christ did. He didn't do it for his own benefit. He did it for the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross. He did it for Philippians chapter 2. Look over there. Philippians chapter 2. You see, folks, 
When you think about the love of God, we're not talking about a warm, fuzzy disposition towards something or someone. We're talking about a mental attitude, a thinking process here about something or someone. Philippians 1, real quick, verse 9. And this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment that you may approve things that are excellent. See that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and judgment and approved thing? That's not a warm feely inside that you see the first time you see her walk in the room. That's an attitude, a thinking process. Chapter 2, verse number 2. Fulfill you my joy that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than them. Lowliness of mind. Verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ. What kind of mindset was in Christ's mind? A lowliness of mind, esteeming others. Better than themselves, the end of verse 3 says. You see, when Christ went to Calvary, he's going in obedience to the word of the Father to him. He's doing that, and it's his faith and faithfulness to go do. But his mindset is of other people. Matthew chapter 1, he says he came to save his people. He's, not th he's thinking about who? Someone else. He goes over there. In the Garden of Gethsemane, gets taken, he's up, he's moving from between the chief uh, elder, the priest houses, Caiaphas, and he's going over, and Peter is in the courtroom, courtyard down below. He's up in the balcony, and he's moving from one room, one house to the next, and Peter is in the balcony down there in the courtyard, and he's denied the Lord three times. And on the third time, that cock crows. And the, what the account says, he didn't say, Peter, I told you. He just looked at Peter. He didn't say a word. Because to say a word would to confirm what they said about Peter. Which would have got Peter in trouble. But the Lord just looked at it. The look in Luke. Boy, Luke... He just looks at Peter, and Peter knows it. Why? He's, not th he's thinking about Peter and Peter's safety. He's, he, that's the love of God. That's that issue of serving. That's that issue of, and that's what the love of God comes in and it does, is it begins to fill up every nook and cranny. The second thing that the love of God does is it displaces that old negative thinking. It comes in and it begins to grip our thinking. And it begins to move out. Remember we went back to Deuteronomy 28 a couple weeks ago? Back there in Deuteronomy 28. Go back there. Are you looking at me like you, huh? And we got time. Time. Deuteronomy 28. And you got that covenant agreement that God made with the nation of Israel in Exodus 19. Up there when they 
come in and he said and they say yeah all that the Lord will say we will do and he says all right here it is if you keep my commandments I'll bless you and you'll be a peculiar people you'll be a holy nation a righteous priesthood you'll be that but if you don't the agreement is I get to curse you and they say yep where do we sign do 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 and all bunch of idiots but the thing is, is in Deuteronomy 28, Moses has got that new generation and he re-gives that covenant agreement, verse 1, And it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe and to do all these uh, commandments, and to do all his commandments, which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all the nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee, if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. Blessed shalt thou be in the city, blessed thou shalt be in the field, blessed be the fruit of thy body, the fruit of the ground, the fruit of thy cattle, the increase of thy kind, the, the flocks of the blessed be the, thy basket and thy store, blessed shalt thou be whom thou comest in, blessed shalt thou be. And you got all those blessings, verse 13, and the Lord shall make thee the head and not the tail, and thou shalt be above only, and thou shalt not be beneath, if that thou hearken unto the commandments of the Lord, which I command thee this day to observe and to do them. And you know what we say? Man, we got, this happens today in the age of grace, in the church, the body of Christ, sure as I'm sitting here talking to you, that people will say, I'm reading God's word and I'm obeying God's word and look at this big, big blessing in my life. Back in 2006, I was a real estate appraiser, part of the real estate boom. I met with a realtor. He needed some work done uh, on a special project and, and I agreed to do it with him, for him. And we were talking, and he was talking about, he's, and he was a Christian man, had a clear testimony of salvation. He just went to the megachurch down the street. And he was telling me how that God has blessed him because he's tithing on the ten, he's doing this, he's doing that, and it was all of this stuff back here in the Old Testament. And God was blessing him. He goes, so what do you think? And I said, I think you're a fool. Now, this is after I got paid for doing the work, okay? I'm not, I'm not a fool. I say, he goes, well, what do you mean? And I said, you're reading Deuteronomy 28. You're reading Old Testament. Who is Moses talking to when he said all that? Who was Jeremiah talking to? Because he quoted the passages out of Jeremiah. I said, he wasn't talking to you. He's talking to Israel. You're blessed because right now we're in a market of a great boom in real estate. You just are sitting in the right, you're, you're in the catbird seat. You're in the right place at the right time. And he goes, well, that's a downer. I said, well, I think you ought to pay attention to where you're reading. And, and, and again, he's a saved guy. But just dispensationally, scripturally, he was in error. We have the same thing. We have people, I know folks, right? they say, yeah, man, we're doing, man, we're doing Rick and God's blessing us. God has already blessed you. You just happen to see the fruits of some good decisions you've decided to make in your life. See? Why? Because we fall in the Deuteronomy 28 thinking. Now, verse 15. 
But it shall come to pass, if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe to do all his commandments and his statutes, which I command thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. Cursed thou shalt be in the city. And you know what happens? We, you have people who say, the world looks at you and I, when it looks like uh, that verse over there in Philippians, and we're under perdition, it looks like we're down in the dirt, and we're weak, and they say, see, God's getting them. Because they're not following his word. And you're sitting over here going, no, dude, I, God's ain't getting me. I'm just down in the, I got problems over here because life. <laughs> Again, Romans 8, fill in the detail. See, the love of God comes in and begins to crowd out that negative thinking, that Deuteronomy 28 stuff. God comes in and, Again, that's why right division is so critical. Because it begins to, the love of God comes in and it begins to crowd out this mentality of religion. Come back to Romans 5. Of, hey, you are being punished because you have not bid your tithe. You didn't tithe on the gross or the net or whatever. And they just, and the next thing you know, what are you feeling like? Oh, my goodness, they're right. Oh, if I just give them, you know, by the way, the offering box is in the back back there, okay? Hey, if, if I just do this or do that, then everything will be roses. And you know what you do? You go do all that, and guess what? It ain't roses, it's dead roses, and you go, what happened here? Lord, what did I have to do? And he's sitting there going, don't do anything, you <clears throat> child of mine. <laughs> yeah. he, he's just sitting there going, no, the love of God is shed abroad. It's designed to come in and to fill every nook and cranny. It's designed to come in and to saturate and to move away, displace that old thinking pattern so Paul here is like, let the love of God saturate you. Let it become a reality in your thinking. Move away. Let it begin to move and dispel. Again, the circumstances of life can cause us to think improperly. It can. That's part of the satanic, pl satanic plan of, of attack. Get you to think differently. Get you off of where you're supposed to be. God says, man, Paul, Romans 5, says, let my all-sufficient, all-saturating, all-penetrating love grip you. Grip your inner man. Let that be what comes in and adjusts the, adjust the thinking. We're to view ourselves the way God views us. And again, life doesn't make that easy all the time. But it's a resource right here. When I counsel people for marriage and stuff, there's a few verses that I tell them to type out and put on the, put on the refrigerator, put on the mirror in the bathroom where you're going to see it constantly. 5-5 is one of those. Romans 5.5. 5. Why? Because it reminds them to let what? Let that love of God come in and saturate them. All right, Romans 5, verse 5. 
because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. The Holy Ghost here, which has been given unto us. The, this, is the only, this, this is the first time that we see the working ministry of the Holy Ghost in the book of Romans. Now, we see him introduced in chapter 1 to us, but here we begin to see his working. Now, in 6, 7, and 8, we're going to see more of his working ministry and how he's working and so forth. But I want you to catch, it's shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which was given. Okay? Now, how does the Holy Ghost work? Well, he works through his word, through the word of God. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, right? Verse 2, uh, and the earth was without form and void, and the spirit of God, I got, I, this is the part I always trip up on this verse. <clears throat> and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the spirit of God moved upon the faces of the water, and God said. So when the spirit of God begins to move, on the faces of the deep, it's because God said. All right? You go over to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians 2. So the Spirit works through the Word of God. When, the, when God speaks, Genesis 1, 1, 2, and 3, the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the earth, and God said... What triggers the movement of the Spirit is God speaking in the creation account. 1 Corinthians 2, you begin at verse number 9, But as it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither hath entered into the, things, into the heart of men the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us, how? By his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. So if I want to know... All the things that God hath prepared for them to love him, who do I need? I have to have the Spirit. I get that at salvation, so i got to be saved. But then I also have to have something else, verse 13. Which things also we speak not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth. So the Holy Ghost is going to use words to teach. So then what else do I need? I need the Word of God, don't I? The Holy Ghost is going to come. You're going to, he's going to take that word, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. By the way, notice that spiritual things with spiritual. It doesn't say with spiritual things. Why? Because he's talking about taking the word of God and working with the word of God, comparing out the doctrine that's going on in you. Study for another time, okay? He's not talking about he's going to come in here and go, ooh. He's talking about, hey, you take the word, you put it into your inner man, go back to Romans 5, and the spirit reaches over into your inner man, that capacity, that file cabinet of your thinking, of your heart, of your mind, and he access points when life gets that way. But the verse says that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is the vehicle that causes the love of God to be shed abroad to fill you up. He's the one that's going to come in and energize it. He's going to come in and take. I, have you ever thought, I, I don't know about you, I do. I guess I think this way. You know, you're reading through Chronicles, and somebody begat somebody. It can't even say the name. 
That's why I know this is me. And you go, have you ever asked the question of, Lord, why is this here? It's there for a reason, you know? And the reason has to do with the, the, the descendancy issues and, and of the nation of Israel, but it has to do with that seed line and how you trace the seed line all the way down to the Lord Jesus Christ. And you sit there and you go, man, what? A, this is a waste of paper. But it isn't because it's designed to solidify and it's designed to impact and to fortify. But when you get, the Holy Spirit comes in and says, hey, you know, hey, dummy, this is what this means. Because what do you end up finding? You end up reading another verse. You take the genealogy of the Lord in Matthew chapter number 1, and he has no claim to the throne through Joseph and his genealogy. Because there's a guy in that genealogy that was cursed that his kids would never sit on the throne. Ooh. But you don't find that unless you have the genealogies in Chronicles to go back and read where that happened. But when you go over to Luke 3 and you get the genealogy of Mary, guess what? Because he was born of Mary, virgin birth, she's got a hook to the throne through David, through Nathan. David's boy. But you won't know that unless you got Chronicles and the genealogy to read it. See how it protects. That's why it's there, by the way. But it, the Holy Ghost comes in. It's given by the Holy Ghost. I love that, given. Shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Given. It's a gift. God did not have to do this. So his love, of, his love being shed abroad in your hearts is a gracious gift. The giving of the Holy Spirit, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, is now going to be engaged in the believer's life. The third person of the Godhead is now actively involved in your inner man. And for the first time, you read it and you begin to know it. Because there it sits. Because he's the one that's causing the love of God to do what? Fill you up. Is it already there? Yes. But how do I access it? How do I get it? I got a verse that tells me I've got it. And the Holy Spirit says, glad you read that verse today. There it is. So now you're in the, you're in the thralls of a dump pitching a fit, something's going on, circumstances, and you know what the Holy Spirit says? Remember. Remember. And you go, remember what? And you go, and he goes, remember, 5-5. Five, five. Remember, Ephesians 1. Remember, remember. And he brings that up, and you know what happens? Is it comes off that page and it becomes real to you. You think about the Holy Spirit. By the way, verse 5, spread abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. It's not to us. It's unto us. That issue of unto, in concert with. It's secured to something. Think about the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 1.13, what is he? He's our seal, isn't he? He seals us. When you seal, I didn't even bring an envelope. When you seal the envelope, 
What do you create for the contents inside the envelope? What do you create? Security. A bubble, don't you? He creates a container that the information inside is now protected. The Holy Spirit, he's our seal. He's the container that we live in. We're a bunch of bubble people. (laughs) We live in a bubble, spiritually speaking. And what happens in that bubble, in that container, is the Holy Spirit comes in and he begins to communicate the sound doctrine for our edification. We're study, we run. Even when you just simply read... You read three chapters a day, and that word gets resident into your thinking, and the next thing you know, what is the, what's happened? It's become energized. It's working. It's moving. You begin to grow. He's stuck with you. You know that? He's sealed you. He's put you in that container. And when we, that, that, and by the way, if, the, if he's sealed us and we're in that container, what's inside? Good stuff or bad stuff? Good stuff. But when the bad stuff comes, the contaminants come, what does that container do? Keeps them out. See that? Come over to Romans 8. We'll we'll wrap up. The The containment, the container, keeps the contamination away. Keeps the good stuff locked in. You see? Yesterday we were working on the boat, <laughs> and we were doing some things, and I, was, I had been given some rust stuff that will take rust off of bolts and everything, but you got to soak them. And the, the shortest time for soaking is two hours. I'm like, well, these are pretty rusty, so we're going to go two days. You know, we're gonna, I'll, I'll look at it tomorrow, okay? But in the directions, it says you need to shut the container that the bolts are in, to keep it from evaporating so it'll really work. So we're going to (laughs) see. But when you you contain that, what are you keeping out? Air, you're keeping out all these other little particles that are designed to not work in this solution. Okay? The Holy Spirit takes you, puts you in this sealed environment, and says, listen, study, learn, read, grow, we'll make this go. You know, you get bigger. And then when the contaminants come up, it'll just, they won't impact you. Now that's happening spiritually. What happens in our mind is what the contaminants come in, and we dive right back to Deuteronomy 28 and our old way of thinking, and the Holy Spirit just goes, Did you not listen to me? You know how you, by the way, you know how you know that? Can just take a rabbit trail. You you got Romans 8, right? Look at Ephesians 4. Uh, Ephesians 4. uh, Sometimes I say stuff and I go, I'm thinking of a a verse, obviously. And I'd like you to see this, if you will. Ephesians 4, verse number 29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying that it may minister grace unto the hearers. So the corrupt communication isn't bad language, isn't cursing, by the way. Okay, It's having what? It's bad doctrine. That's what it, how do you know the rest of the verse? 
What am I supposed to be in for? Good doctrine, godly edification, good stuff, edifying stuff, not the stuff. But now watch verse 30. And what? Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. You see how you can grieve him by being in the bad doctrine? Verse 31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all mouth. You see how, if now there's some bad conduct, and it's all around that issue of grieving the Holy Spirit. You don't lose the Holy Spirit, go back to Romans 8, but what can you do? I told you not to do that, <laughs> you know, type of thing. Hey, hello, McFly, anybody home? <laughs> Look at the verses. You follow that? All right, Romans 8. We've got two minutes to do ten minutes. When you get all of this into your thinking, then you can do now what Romans 8 is going to tell you you can do. If you don't get this into your thinking then guess what you can never say? Romans 8. Follow that? If you adjust your thinking, and, and again, we're not in Romans 8 yet. We're still in Romans 5. You're a babe in Christ. You're just learning. But Paul has put you up on a high ground here to alert your thinking about something. And if you can't get this thinking about, you got the Holy Spirit, you got the love of God, you got this resource... Look at 8.32. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Boy, look at that. Look at what the love of God did for you. He spared not his son. He, he was killed for you so that he could do what? Give you, freely give us all things. Again, not you doing something, living a righteous life, but him doing what? The gift has been given. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen. Who is even at the right hand of God who also maketh intercession? You see, folks, I'm not the one doing this. He's done it. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? Uh-oh, there's our word. Isn't that interesting? Or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. You see, look at all of that's going on. All that sacrifice that's happening. Because of verse 37. Because you're allowing the love of God to be shed abroad and you're allowing that proper godly divine viewpoint to operate and to work in your life. You know what? Then you can say verse 37, nay, and all these things we are more than, oh man, there's that much more, more than conquers through him that loved us. We live in a bubble. Okay? And because of that, we're protected. We can say this. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor anything present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul says, let's flesh out the old thinking. 
Romans 5, 5. Let's allow the love of God to occupy our thinking. Let's recognize the function of the Holy Ghost where he wants us to learn more. He wants us to know and to learn and to depend on how much God loves us and to recognize the depth of that love. Now, when you come back to five, Romans 5, verse number 5, Romans 5 becomes a bridge into now the rest of, six, of chapter 5 into 6, 7, and 8 in the believer's life. But you've got to have the bridge built because now he's going to go talk over here about some things, and we'll get into that next time, okay, about your, the relationship we're going to have with God, the Godhead, I should say, all right? We're going to do this back and forth thing when we get down in verse 15 and so forth. But it, it's, a, it's a reminder. Hey, Paul's moving on. You know, we like to dwell in the past. Paul's like, you were that, you're this, let's get on with it. <laughs> and so he bridges that issue. Just don't miss the end of verse 5. Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. By the way, there's some things you can say there about the word which. Uh, people get all testy about that because is the Holy Ghost is not a witch. He's a who, you know. But when you look up the word witch in an Oxford English Dictionary, down about definition 30 or 50, I don't know, down there, he's talking about the same thing as that love of God being shed. It's a peace. You've been given a peace of the Holy Ghost. You've been, he's, he's there. He's active in it. So... You know, there's some other things that can be said, but I like to dwell on the positive things. Okay. Dear Holy Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. And above all, Lord, we thank you for who we are in your Son. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. We'll see.